Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the fifth episode of Riverdale Season 5, The Homecoming. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, who I would never call on Halloween and say that they're dead to me, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, now I see you laughing, and I just want to say that you're laughing because I said hello twice, which isn't going to make sense for anyone listening to the podcast because I'm going to cut it out. But the reason I did was because recently the word hello has been really quiet, and I didn't know if it was because the first thing I said, so I said it twice so that I could, like, have a louder one. The way it was said, it sounded like you're like, hello, hello, <laughs> welcome. Like, it was like, as if you suddenly lost your connection, you're trying to talk to someone on the phone. Hello, hello. Maybe I'll keep it in so it'll add more context. You're dead to me. <laughs> it's not Halloween, but I can tell you that. And it's good that they told us that because when they replayed that clip in the episode, I wrote down, I think this was from, like, Halloween. And then immediately after, she was like, I called her on Halloween. I'm like, aha, it was. It was from Halloween. It's weird to me that she remembers with like any specificity what day it was you know to be fair we hate on Riverdale a lot for like setting up these plots like the one with Polly where they called her on Halloween and then never talked to her ever again for the rest of the season and I believe the Halloween episode was like episode four of season four and we just kind of stopped that plot but I I gotta say color me surprised I had no expectations of seeing Polly or the twins again yeah this episode did a good job of bringing back things that I thought were gone. It was so messy. Like, I feel like this episode was kind of chaotic, hard to keep track of. I was like, what am I watching? We saw a little bit more context for what's been going on in the last seven years. A little bit. A little bit. bit. A little bit. I have a few areas I want to nitpick because I think there's some that, I mean, we can just say this straight up front. When Jughead said in the end of two episodes ago, before we did the time jump, when he said that it would be six years before he talked to any of his friends again, Maybe he said see any of his friends again, but we know that that's just not true based on things they said during this episode. It seems like at least him and Betty had had contact for a, quite a while, if the timeline is to be correct, which I'm not saying it is, but based on everything they said, we'll get to it. The structure of this podcast is going to be a little weird because like Kirsten, I found this episode very confusing. A lot of the scenes were super short, 30 seconds long, and they would just pop back and forth. So I didn't know going into it how to format the sections Normally, we can break it up into plot lines, but this time I just took all my notes in chronological order. So we're just going to go through the episode in chronological order and pop around a lot. But if we need to, like, stick on one topic, that's totally fine if we get to it. We can start off with the Jughead voiceover because we're back to doing those again. I guess those are things that only happen when we're in Riverdale with Jughead, but okay. It only happens when Jughead's writing his book. When Jughead's writing his book, right. So he says, there's an old adage, you can't go home again, which was certainly ringing true for us. Archie had been in a war. Betty was an FBI agent. Veronica was married. Tony was queen of the serpents. I was a published writer. So why were we only talking about how the town of Riverdale had fallen and Archie's pipe dream to somehow save it? Probably because it was easier than the conversation conversations that awaited us. Like this really ambiguous one with Jughead and Betty, where basically he's like, why didn't you ever reach out? And she says, well, you left me a voicemail, which we don't know anything about what the voicemail said. We still haven't gotten that far. Yeah. And apparently there was a voicemail that he left her the night of his book launch. Now, based on the previous episode, his agent 
said that it had been a year since his book, either since his book had come out or since his book had like reached its popularity. So it's been roughly a year or two since his book has come out, meaning that him and Betty stayed in contact for like four to five years after graduation. I don't think that's necessarily what it means. I I think that like it's possible that they had had contact for sure. But I think that if there had been any meaningful contact after everything, we would have gotten more of like, oh, why did you leave that? day or like something more dramatic like the fact that it was just oh why didn't you reach out and she's like well you left me that voicemail makes me believe that the Riverdale people have already forgotten the timeline that they gave us which makes sense because they also think seven years passed between 2020 and 2021 but even like in the best case scenario with them forgetting it would probably take several months maybe a year for Jughead to write his book so even if they're thinking oh Jughead goes to college immediately writes his book and becomes an author and it's been six years since he wrote his book, which honestly makes a lot more sense given how much in debt he is and how much he's struggling to write. So like that would make more sense because I think it's kind of a lot for a publisher to be like, you just wrote a book a year ago, churn out the next one immediately. But I don't know anything about writing. So who knows? Anyway, even if that was the case, it means that he stayed in some contact with Betty past when she left for Yale, which makes more sense. I'm happy about this. Do you think we'll ever find out what this voicemail was? Oh, 100%. They don't bring this up and then also play a different voice voicemail in this episode without queuing up that we're going to hear more voicemails. What do you think the voicemail was? I think it's going to be like, I can't believe you left me. I can't believe you betrayed me. Something, something stupid. I don't know. It's going to be dumb. Whatever it is, it's going to be dumb. I think the weird part is that he says that he didn't mean for whatever he said to come off in a particular way. He's like, oh, I didn't he's mean gonna it to He's going to be drunk. Okay, so he's probably going to be drunk and he's probably going to be like, I can't believe we're not together. How dare you something stay away from me is probably going to be the gist. We'll find out. You ruined my life and then when you were gone, I was able to write this book and I never want you to come Even back. Even though the book is literally about her, but whatever. We didn't find out. We didn't get our question answered of whether or not she's read the book. So we'll see. Anyway, so they both say that they have no plans to help Archie with the town and that they're going to leave and go there, you know, go back home uh, after the retirement party. Then we get a very similar-ish conversation with Archie and Veronica where Archie is like, oh, you're married. Haha. And okay, this is going to be a spoiler for the end. I do feel like in a lot of ways, maybe this is really hot take. I think out of the four of them, I like Archie the best in this episode. I mean, while he's kind of like pipe dream, let's save the town, at least there's no drama with him. It's very much like I'm here because I've been, I've been let go from the army or whatever. I've been told I need to restart this thing. And so this is my mission. This is my job. And I'm going to try to pull my friends into it. But he's not like Veronica's plotline's preposterous. And Betty's got her wackadoo family to deal with. And Jughead is like not facing his problems head on. There's no drama with Archie. He has to go in and beat up a bunch of ghoulies with a bat and take back his home. But there's no drama. But he does it in an actual like very methodical way that makes sense as opposed to like single-handedly I'm going to go in and try to like beat them up which is what I feel like he would have done in high school. I cannot cope with this. I need to move forward. We can talk about this at the end. So okay, the Archie-Veronica conversation is so awkward because he's like, oh, that's uh, quite a rock you got there. He must be a good man. It's like, yes, that's how you know that someone's like quite a guy. And it's just so awkward because it comes out that Archie's last real relationship was with Veronica. And what I think that means is I think he just has been like waiting 
dating. Like, I don't think he's been dating. No, I don't think he's been dating at all either. I think he does seem the one who is kind of like the most stuck in the past. But I, I also get that if he like threw himself into the army and chose not to take very many leaves and maybe when he did, he just went and visited his mom or something. There's not going to be a whole lot of time for dating unless he's dating someone in the army. So if he didn't find someone in the army, then I could believe that he's just kind of chilling. She tells him that he needs to be having fun at this point in his life because he's young or whatever. And he's like, plus, you know, once you get married, uh, you gotta you gotta be tied to that person like me who needs to go back to the city and my husband. And then she proceeds to make no effort to go back to the city or her husband throughout the entire episode. The Veronica thing this episode is very much like, I think she's getting a taste of what it's like to not be around Chad. And she likes it. She likes having that freedom. She likes being able to choose what she's doing and where she's going. And for Chad to literally freeze the accounts until she comes home, that is abusive stuff happening. And so I can see why she's kind of a little invigorated and wants to get away. But she's not going at it in any sort of methodical or smart way. No, I mean, the smart way would be if you really need to get out of this relationship, then you get out of the relationship. But it doesn't seem like she's even trying to do that. It seems like she's trying to just take control back for the relationship. But yeah, and that's the thing is like, I think that with the financial stuff that happens in this episode, it's very clear that Chad is super controlling and abusive. And it's not that easy if you're in a cycle with a toxic person or an abusive person. It's not so easy as just, okay, well, I'm going to leave. Like, it doesn't get to the point of someone being so controlling that they think they can freeze your bank accounts without a bunch of other stuff happening. So I really want the background. Certainly in real life, I understand that. I'm just trying to look at this from the perspective of Veronica, the character we know. I guess I'm just like a little bit confused of how she got into this situation with him, like why she married him, why she married him, it seems like, so quickly. It's, it seems like just because the sex was really good is why she married yeah. him. Like, why did she agree to have joint accounts? I'm kind of surprised that she wouldn't have her own singular account. Also, I bet she does because she has her own business. So, yeah. But it's, like, all of this stuff, it just adds into, like, the textbook abusive relationship where it starts and everything is so good and they make you feel amazing and then just slowly over time, they take away the good and give some bad, give a little bit of good to yeah. keep you there and then, bad. like, it goes to show that literally anybody can end up in a bad situation and just because the Veronica as a character we've been shown is this like strong ambitious woman and we see that she still is a very strong ambitious woman it's not that easy to extricate yourself from the situation I totally identify with that personally like I think of myself as a strong person but I've been in not financial situations like that but certainly emotional situations like that the question here is do you think that Chad is going to be at all redeemable is is he going to be sort of a bad boy in this season, but she's able to stand her ground and whip him back into shape and everything gets better? Or do you think it's going to be this is just a, a slow road to a divorce or something? I think Chad's going to die. Oh. Do you think Veronica's going to I don't know him? how. I don't know if Veronica kills him. I don't know if Archie finds out the extent of his controllingness and he kills him. I don't know if Hiram finally decides that he's going to get involved. I have no idea, but I think Chad is going to die. That's my wow. bold prediction. All right. We'll keep track of that. We'll keep track of it. And then there's going to be, wait, it's going to be intercut with Tony singing No Body, No Crime at the Speakeasy. If that happens, I will literally give you 50 bucks. 
<laughs> I will literally put it in your PayPal if that happens. I'm just sitting here writing a better show than they could write. There's going to be a scene where Chad is getting murdered and Tony's going to be singing that song. Now, he has to be yeah. murdered, right? He can't just like fall off a cliff or something. I just said he's going to die, okay. but I don't think it would be intercut with no body, no crime if it's not a murder. Okay, fair. All right, we'll see. I'll give okay. you 20 bucks if he just like has a heart attack while that song is happening. <laughs> Oh, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Betty's going to go to her mom's house where she's staying. This is so wild that the Cooper household is just exactly where it's always been. And that Alice Cooper, who has been a pretty big proponent over the years of like, I need to put myself in a good place. Like, why is Alice staying in this town? She has no reason to stay in this town, especially once Betty leaves, unless Polly and the kids move back in with her, like the second Betty goes to college. I could understand that because they have a house. They probably paid off the mortgage. Like, I get that. Then, I mean, I'm not saying she needs to move to Sodale, but why is Alice still here? She needs to get out. They have not paid off the mortgage because in this episode, we find out that Polly has been helping to pay the mortgage. Oh, you're right. So I think that there is some financial hardship behind that. Uh, Anyway, Alice appears to be very... At first, I thought she was coming across a little sketchy, but I think she's just like very harried with like all the work she's doing. She's working multiple jobs at this point and she's... Actually, I assumed that she was working in some way for the school, but now that I watched it again, I think she's just on the school board but she's not actually doing anything at the school, but she appears to still have her job at, I forget what it is, like W-R-I-V or something like that. Whatever. Whatever. Which is, uh, again, wild that that still exists when, like, there's no fire station, but whatever. What's really weird is that they're talking about the twins like they're literally three years old. She's like, the twins have finally fallen asleep, but I'm like, they are literally like nine to ten years old. I mean, to be fair, like, a nine to ten-year-old still could have trouble falling asleep sometimes and, like, would try to stay up late, but she's not talking about it like, oh, okay, I finally got them to go to sleep. She's like, oh, finally, I got them down. Yeah. As if they're babies. Yeah, which is why I was shocked when we actually do see the twins that they appear to be the correct age. So I was happy about that, that they actually look like somewhere between eight and ten years old. I just instilled the getting the twins back just brings back the fiery rage within me of what happened on the season three premiere when the babies were floating above the fire. We have received no context. They are now nine years old, and I want to know what happened with the fire in the cult. And I know that we will never get an answer, but it just pisses me off. I think the answer to that was Betty had a seizure that was related to the Fizzle Rock production getting in the water supply, and she hallucinated it. I think that's the answer. Yeah, but that's a a dumb answer, and I don't like it. I want to know when and how Polly got the twins back from Cheryl, because that's where they were last. I mean, we hadn't seen them in a while. The last we saw them, they were, it was in the Julian plotline. Yeah, which was a long time ago. Early season four. Anyway, glad to see that the twins have red hair. Polly looks a little bit worse for wear. I mean, it's not, she doesn't look like her old self, I should say. I literally was like, is this a new actress? Like, she just looks wrong. Yeah. Lots of um heavy makeup and they say she works at a nightclub called the Roving Eye and that she's a waitress. We're gonna find out that's not the case, but. Roving Eye is definitely a strip club. Yes. So sh- obviously they're like, oh yeah, it's a club. It's like, no, it's a strip club, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with working in a strip club. But I just think it's funny that they're just like, oh yeah, at the club and not like strip club. But she hasn't worked there in years, we find out. Right, in like a year. We get a quick scene of everybody going to where they're staying. Archie's in his office at his gym. Veronica goes back to the Pembroke where I guess she, I don't know who owns this. I guess her, maybe her and Hermione. Everything's covered in sheets. 
streets. So her Hiram doesn't live there. So I don't know where Hiram lives. Originally, that apartment was where Veronica and Hermione went because it was the only thing in Hermione's name. So that totally adds up if it's in Hermione's name. I guess I'm just surprised that at no point during the other the previous seasons, Hiram got that property back under his name or got it under his name. I, I guess I'm just surprised well, about I think, that. I think it made sense for the family to have at least one property that wasn't in Hiram's name in, in case he gets caught up with the feds again and has like frozen True. accounts. Like they need to have something. And then it probably just, it didn't occur to him that Hermione was going to divorce him. And th- this is a major side note. And again, it's like, it's Riverdale. We just have to accept this. But the fact that the whole show started with Hiram in jail because of some kind of something he was doing in New York and the fact that he has done dozens of way worse things in Riverdale, but just appears to have absolutely no consequences for them. Just that it does that make sense. It, it, Riverdale New York really is, is where people, I don't know, New York is where people get indicted, okay? Just, I was just saying, like, Riverdale seems to be this place that exists just completely outside of any kind of higher government control. Well, yeah. Uh, by the end of this episode, it won't even be a town anymore. <sighs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay. Well, if it's not a town anymore, that means Hiram's not a mayor anymore. And also, Riverdale and the south side of Riverdale are not, should not and are not two separate towns. It's one town. No, no. It's Riverdale and it is Sodale. But this and is, this uh, is, he created a new town. It did not used to be yeah. a new town. It was, it was one town. Just yeah, two, he created a new town. Halves. Oh my gosh. Okay, whatever. Well, what? That's what he did. It's it's just dumb. Yeah, it's Riverdale, Mary. It's dumb. Yeah. So so Jughead <laughs> goes to the bang bunker, but apparently he tells Archie that he's like staying in the five seasons. Apparently he owes like almost $10,000 to Premier Credit. Is Premier Credit a thing or is that a close window cigar? So I, um, I don't know. I was like, it's there's pre- Premier Credit is a thing. Okay. It's part of performance. Performant Financial Core. Okay, so maybe it's just a real thing. All right, and he needs to pay the money in 24 hours. That's not going to happen. That's also not how, like, a credit card works. Like, he would be getting a call being like, you owe the minimum payment, which is whatever, like, $200. Well, I'm sure this is just after weeks or months of getting those calls. But at no point is the credit card company just going to be like, no, pay the full balance right now. They're literally going to bother him for the minimum payment. If he's not making the minimum payment, they will make it so he can't spend any more money on that credit card if it's somehow not maxed at the nine. Well, 98.76 is like a weird amount. So it's either over his like full balance or he's like very close to maxing it out, I would guess. And they're not gonna, like they want him to just pay the minimum payment forever. The credit card company doesn't want you to pay the full balance. They want to keep making money off you. Like it just doesn't make sense. Anyways, it's fine. If anyone wants to help me pay my credit card (laughs) debt, my PayPal is available. Talk to the writers of Riverdale, make that scene with Chad happen and you got 50 bucks coming your way. What a dream. (laughs) We also find out, so Betty is packing up the FBI satellite office, as we had found out in the last episode, and she brings Kevin with her, which I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to bring non-FBI agents to the satellite office. But it's like a defunct office, so I don't know. Yeah, but they have a bunch of files and classified info. Like, that should not have just been left unaccompanied. The fact that Riverdale is now so bad that, like, Archie's house is a drug house, and yet no one has broken into the FBI satellite office and it's just in perfect pristine condition does not make sense to me. Yeah, it's it's wild. So they're there and Betty finds a tape that Charles made that's the phone conversation she had with Polly. I think it's weird that they set this up like, oh, it's this is when he was bugging our phones. I'm like, no, this was at the time when you asked him to bug your phone because you were getting these like prank calls and you're trying to figure out who it was from. So this like wasn't actually like a sketchy thing. I mean, it's weird that he kept all the tapes with their names well, yes, on them. that part's weird. But so th- this is the call if anyone forgot 
forgot and didn't rewatch the episode. It's where Polly was still very much under the control of Edgar and basically Betty calls and is like, you're dead to me. Edgar's dead. And apparently that like hit Polly really hard. So Veronica is going to have the first of a couple chats with her dad and he's still mayor and she's like, hey, I want to get back in on our family business. I love his response is, wait, don't you live in New York? Like as if that would prevent her from getting back in on the family business. Shouldn't the family business, especially if she's like working at like a managerial position, not be like it shouldn't matter where she is. Hiram's obsessed with Riverdale. Obviously, like Hiram and Veronica have always had such a weird, gross relationship and he wants her back and he wants her back in Riverdale. First, he's like, well, you know, Hermosa took the rum business to Florida and something I sold the Le Bonnui and Veronica doesn't know the Bonnui got sold. Okay, you obviously haven't talked to your dad. Hiram's really mad because Veronica did not tell him that she was marrying Chad. I swear I'm like a hundred percent sure that Veronica owned Le Bonnui. Like I know there was that whole thing where she discovered that like she didn't actually have the deed to Pops and that somebody else did, but I thought she got it back at the end. I thought there was a point where she got all her properties back. Why would her unless she gave Le Bonnui to Hiram, I don't understand why Hiram had possession of it. No, I don't think she ever actually owned anything. But she owned Pops because she gave Pops back to Pop. Yeah, I don't think she actually did. I, don't, I think that that was just a point where she was able to bully Hiram into giving it. Ah, makes no sense. So I guess was Hiram not at her wedding? Hiram did not know that she was going to marry Chad. Well, Hiram says something really creepy, and I don't remember if it's in this conversation or the one they have later, where she's like, no one who's not a Lodge will ever understand you. I'm sorry, do you want her to marry a Lodge, you psycho? Yes, I think that is exactly what he's implying. Stop it. Stop it, you creepy old man. I thought that this man was supposed to be off of the show. Nope, that was never going to happen. But here he is, causing my personal hell. I was told he was leaving. Doesn't Mark Consuelos have a family that he would like to go back to? Like, doesn't he want to go hang out with Kelly Ripa? Stop. No, you can't get rid of all the adults. We need some adults in this show. I don't care if they get rid of any other adults, but I was promised Who? that Hiram was Who leaving. Who promised you this? No, nobody promised me this, but I just, like, got it in my head that he was yeah, leaving. Yeah, no, they, they, we were very sad that Marisol Nichols and Skeet Ulrich were leaving, but those were the only two announced names. Why did they have to get rid of FP and keep Hiram? Wouldn't it have been a much better story if FP, like, became the bad guy? Like, it'd just been more interesting than Hiram continuing to be the bad guy. It's like, oh, look, the exact same plot line you did before again thanks. I think the most sad I have ever been in Riverdale was when Chick killed Brett because he was my hope and prayer for the future we loved Brett from the jump yeah Brett's the best having peers their own age to be their enemies made so much more sense and was a better show but whatever this is why season 4 was the best season since season 1 even though Kirsten doesn't like season 1 I like season 2 better than season 1 Veronica's like well me and Chad might get a weekend home in Riverdale which makes no sense and he's like why why not Sodale? And she says no. And that's that's about that for that conversation. Jughead asked Tony for a job as like a bartender. He needs cash. Is it just me or does Jughead's voice sound way lower? Like, is he doing a low voice or is this just Cole's normal voice or something? Because it sounds way lower than it did in any previous season. I think that maybe he was like trying to sound younger before and now he's trying to sound older. I don't know. Okay. Either way. It definitely sounds lower to me. So I still can't get over seeing him not in a hat. Like, I yeah. just think he he looks weird without a hat. Hopefully he'll get some kind of hat. It doesn't have soon. to be a crown beanie, but like a beanie works 
for him. Yeah, it does. It, it works. We need something. So Fangs and Sweet Pea are upset. Also, Tony. They're all upset about Jughead's book. Now, explain this to me. They, he's like, well, I didn't use your names. And they say, yeah, well, it's not too hard to figure out who Toothy is or Popeye. Okay, I get Toothy for Fangs. How is Popeye Sweet Pea? Am I, like, missing something? Is there a character in Popeye called Sweet Pea or something? That's not, it's not his girl's name. Oh, Sweet Pea was a term of affection used by Popeye. So he calls olive oil Sweet Pea. Olive oil was the girl's name who I was thinking of. Yeah, okay. Oh, and then in the comics, Sweet Pea is a baby found on Popeye's doorstep, delivered to him in a box. Okay, interesting. So, okay, now that, that makes more sense now. This is like, I understand because I have thought many times about like writing a book and it would 100% just be about things that were in my life and I have done the whole like try to come up with new names for people thing. It's very transparent, Jughead. It's like, this is kind of lazy. But I don't know because we, we haven't read the book, so we don't really know what it's about. I'm not really sure why, like, he was the Serpent King. I'm not sure how, what he could have done to write it where they would think that the serpents, like, were mocked and their traditions and their codes were, like, seen as being embarrassing. Like, why, why are they all so upset about this? Because they're babies. Because okay. they're big babies. And I just had the realization that the friggin' CW is going to release a chapter book that is Jughead's book, aren't they? I mean, I would, I'd read it. Yeah, I'd read it too, <laughs> but I don't want to read it. So I don't want it to exist. I'd read it. Mary, I've read 12 Bridgerton Extended Universe books since December 26th. Of course I'm going to read the fake Jughead book. I, I bought a whole bunch of the Riverdale comic books that they have. They have Archie comic, like, graphic novels, and they also have Riverdale graphic novels that I bought. And then John John sent me a Riverdale book as well. So I have I have a lot of I have a lot of Riverdale books that I got to get through already. But I will read I will read the uh, the the Outcasts if they write that. I'm gonna be so upset when I have to read the friggin' Outcasts and the cover is gonna be stupid. Archie and Jughead in the woods. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Somehow, Weatherby is still the teacher or the principal. Principal. Um, he does not have principles. Okay. No, he is not a principal. So, <laughs> so here's the thing that makes me confused. Archie's like, can I start the RROTC back up again? And it's like, the army sent you to do it. I don't think you have to ask. I think you just do it. I don't know. It's an after school club. It's not a school sanctioned I mean, class. it is associated with the school, but you're right. It, it is like, I'm not really sure. I don't know enough about the ROTC to or the JROTC. I mean, or I'm, ass- I'm assuming it's like the cadets would be here. You do it after school, like it's not during school hours. It's it's it could be sanctioned by your school, but it's not like. But an it should be like funded by the army. You would think. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I don't know. Anyway, but they're like Riverdale might not be opening its doors next Monday. Is this? Are we during the summer right now? Is is this the summertime? I don't I don't really know where we're at. I guess it's the summer. I guess it's shortly before. If it was seven years exactly after the summer, then I guess we're in the summer. Yeah, I guess it's like June, but then it doesn't make sense because why would they need to open? I guess for summer school they would need to open the doors. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard when we don't have the concept of the school year to gauge when things are happening. Right. Or, you know, the talk of Halloween coming that never happens. I'm still mad about that. I'm still mad about that. Not letting it go. So, Archie wants help, but Hiram's cutting all the funding of the school, which we sort of figured last episode 
episode. There's like going to be a school board meeting soon. And so the all these people meet. We got like Alice, Weatherby, Kevin, Archie, Tony, and I think Mrs. Bell. I don't know. There's an older lady. I assume that's her. And they're who is still there. And they're like, we have very few teachers. Kevin already teaches five classes. He teaches drama, debate, biology, gym, and sex ed. And he's like super embarrassed about teaching sex ed for some reason when I'm like, I feel like that kind of goes along with like the gym. Like a lot of times the gym teachers are the health teachers. Well, and he's also teaching bio. So like between bio and gym, he's covering sex ed. Here's the thing. If this school has no funding, wouldn't you think that they would be getting rid of the drama class and the debate class? Wouldn't they just be sticking to the core subjects you need to graduate? I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure I made this argument last episode and you were like, I don't see how those things are related with the school funding being cut. And I I was like, why are they having time paying Kevin to be a drama teacher when the town doesn't have like things that a town needs to function? I don't remember having this conversation, but maybe. I don't know. I'm glad we're on the same page now. I I mean, like, you would think that the, the arts would be cut, especially when he's teaching many other classes. I also, is debate like a class? I thought debate was like a club. I think drama is also a club. I guess it could be a well, class, Well, I mean, there would, there would normally be a drama class and yeah, a drama. Right. I don't know. But I also, when I went to high school, we did not have, like, a drama department or a debate team or any of the arts because I went to a poor school. I know we had a drama department. I have no idea if we had a debate team or not. I would have loved if there had been a debate team in high school. I would have been all over that. I would have been ready to go, but no. We didn't even have AP classes. I bet Riverdale doesn't either at this point. So they need to like win some kind of vote. Otherwise, the school is going to be losing all its funding and then cease to exist. Yeah, so Hiram is going to bring forth a proposal to like cut all funding to the school, but he's planning to do it in secret so that nobody can oppose it. But then, so like Betty's mom is going to Alice saying, why can't I remember Alice's name? Alice is then going to whistleblow about this to get more people to vote against Hiram. This whole thing is so convoluted for no reason. Yeah, because she still works for the news, apparently. Well, yeah, it's not good. So Jughead's on his quest to make some money. So he talks to Tabitha Tate and she's like, hey, you need to actually order something. You can't just order coffee. We're not going to set a tab. I'm not handling the same things the way my grandfather did. You can't just sit around and use the internet. Also, he shouldn't need internet to write a novel unless he's doing research. He's like, hey, can I get a job here? And she's like, nah, this job isn't right for you. And I think what she means is like, you're not you're not the kind of person I want working here because I don't trust you financially, which makes sense. Hiram's going to talk to Tony at the worm and he's basically like, hey, there's only like 100 students at Riverdale. I'm going to give them a free ride to Stonewall, which is apparently a huge school now. You can be the counselor there and I'll give you a big paycheck in a corner office. Tony should have just taken this deal. Like, what do you have in Riverdale that's so important that you can't just take this deal. She's trying to save the town, okay? She wants to put the pep back in Riverdale. So dumb. No, Riverdale is the town of holes now. I know I said that in the first place, but still made you cringe this time around. I didn't like it today. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like very awkward and weird. And so that's what spurs Tony to get one of her people to go find the information on Hiram. And one of the other big things that happens this episode is Archie versus the Ghoulies. So first he spies on them from Betty's childhood bedroom. And she's like, yeah, I used to sit here and watch and like hope to see you shirtless, which is so cringy. I would never tell anyone I hoped to see them shirtless. I like the fact that it's a callback to the very first episode where her and Kevin were in the room watching him shirtless. Now, the weird part about that episode is Betty was also shirtless. And I feel like you she would not stand by her window unless she was like hoping he'd look. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it is 
Yeah, she was hoping he would look at that point. That was when she's like, I'm gonna get Archie because I have a crush on him. I have so much more to say about the Betty Archie stuff, but I'm gonna save it for when it's slightly more relevant in a couple scenes. Okay, wonderful. So it's so awkward. It's just so weird. I don't know. So then Archie's like gathering the troops. He uh, talks to Sheriff Keller, who lets us know that though Sheriff Keller is the only police officer in Riverdale, um, Hiram has a security force that enforces the law from Sodale and that Reggie runs them. Reggie also has like really long hair now. He looks kind of gross. He looks greasy. They definitely did it on purpose to be like, look, he's a mobster now. This is giving us major callbacks to the movie we watched with Akiva to Riverdale back again, where Reggie was working for Hiram. Well, and it does it kind of makes more sense with how the comics were because Reggie was never like part of the gang, really. Like he was like the bully. And so it makes sense to put him back in that position. He's also running his father's car dealership. So I don't know if Reggie's dad died. Maybe he killed his dad. Maybe Hiram took care of Reggie's dad. I can get behind that one. Reggie's dad sucked. Reggie's dad deserved to die. Yeah. So that I adds up. I wonder what song was being sung in the speakeasy when Reggie's dad died. It was Earl had to die, of course. <laughs> okay, thanks. So <laughs> Veronica's going to make some calls. She like accepts a job position as a sports agent in LA. And then she's like trying to buy a plane ticket, I guess, to go to LA. But yeah. they, they're like, oh, we're having an issue with your credit card on file. And then Chad is like, yeah, it's so weird that this happened. But don't worry, I'll get it fixed by the time you come back to New York. When is when is that again? When are you coming back? And we we totally guessed that he was going to be, he's the one behind this halting her pur- purchases. This is one of my biggest TV and movie pet peeves is when somebody's like having a Skype call or doing some other thing on a computer where they have a program open and then they just slam shut the laptop, but they don't actually like turn off the program. Like laptops don't necessarily close in instantly and sometimes they bug out it could like still be having the microphone on yeah like i feel like that's a thing in a lot of media where someone will be like watching porn and they slam the laptop shut and then you can still hear the noises and it's like yeah nothing weird going on here (laughs) yeah just close the program hit the little x and then then shut it down or at least like manually power off the computer one or the other anyway so smithers is still here even though presumably like nobody has been living at the pembroke but whatever it's so weird but he brings back like there was a moment in either season at some point in the last four seasons where Smithers like really pulled through for the Lodge family helping them with crime or something I don't even remember but he's he's noticed the same car has been outside for two days and he is suspicious so this brings Veronica an excellent opportunity to bring an old friend out of storage when's the Monica Poshwig why was this necessary because they hate us Mary but like if she's being followed someone's gotta follow her to the pawn shop regardless of what color hair she has. Well, I think they want us to believe that this blonde wig transforms Veronica so fully that no one would know that it's her. Doesn't matter that she's gonna be wearing the exact same clothes with the exact same body type with the exact same friggin' face and just a shitty wig on top. No. This wig transforms her into a new woman. I'm sure she didn't walk to the pawn shop outside of town. She'd probably gotten a car and they're following the car and so it doesn't matter what color hair she has. Whatever. So she sells what looks like two necklaces. This, now, maybe I'm just unaware of how expensive things can be. He says that he'll give her 20 grand a piece, and then she says, let's just do 30 total in cash. So he was gonna pay secondhand 20 grand for a pearl necklace? That sounds wild. Like, pearl necklaces 
is, unless I'm wrong, I'm looking up pearl necklaces and there are pearl necklaces that sell for like $5 million. So like oh if the gosh. quality if the quality of the pearls is absolutely perfect, they're all uniform in size, they're all like absolutely stunning, it's totally possible that she could have necklaces that are worth that much. I just don't know how a high schooler is going to school wearing that. Doesn't somebody at one point like rip it off or she rips it off? She ripped one off. But I mean, we don't know that that one was as much money as this one. Probably not, but it, that one was probably like 5000 or something. Still just Yeah, bewildering. rich people are not okay. Anyway, so she buys a cute, tasteful, discreet, ladylike revolver and, and, then, and then leaves. Betty has a nightmare of the TBK. That's a pretty, that was a pretty scary moment, actually. Like, I saw it coming, but it was still pretty scary. I didn't like it. So she takes a gun downstairs. Polly comes back late. She's like, oh, Polly, I'm sorry for not being there for you when you were, you know, sick after the farm. They kind of make up. Polly's like, yeah, everybody's missed you. Betty says she wants to come home more after she finishes at the academy, which will be in a few months. So... Cool. Well, and it's it's a surprise that Betty's not already running the FBI. Yeah. So the next morning, Alice is like running around helping the kids. We vaguely see over the corner at the breakfast table. And that's when we learn about where Polly works. Then Tony's going to come over and talk about this newspaper article that came out, which I assume was the Riverdale Register, which I assume mm-hmm. I think Hiram owns. I, I feel like that happened at some point in the earlier season. Who knows? Hiram is furious that Tony did not take his deal and so he is going to ruin her in the press to the people who still live in Riverdale. This part makes no sense like well I've said that like 18 times so far but the the headline is local school counselor runs seedy bar and snake dances. First off the bar doesn't particularly look that seedy. It looks like a bar. It looks fine like a biker bar. It's fine. I mean it looks like a dive bar. Right. It it doesn't it doesn't uh it doesn't it's no roving eye. I love dive bars. I can't wait until the day when I can go sit at the bar at a dive bar we've had this conversation before on the podcast i just want to go love dive bars it was a long time ago it was probably like three years ago at this point but yeah i've been loving dive bars and i miss them and i want to go to a bar it'll happen again i just don't like there's a hundred people who still live in riverdale who go to this school i feel like they would already know that she owns this place and that she's the serpent mm-hmm. queen and probably not care or and probably they're serpents too yeah like the people who still live in this town i'm not sure why this is news like this would be news if she was trying to go work somewhere else and he was like trying to ruin that prospect anyway whatever jughead failing at writing but archie's like hey can you write the speech for pops wait my favorite thing about jughead's writing is he literally just has a word processor open that says chapter one at the top i have personally never written a novel but i feel like i wouldn't necessarily be like okay i'm gonna start at chapter one and i'm gonna write through the whole thing like you you would write even if you don't have an outline, you would be writing just something. You'd be like, okay, this is what I can get down. Like, this is what the the idea that I have. Like, I think the idea is you you pick a scene that you're interested in or you pick a very general summary or think of a character you'd be interested in. Like, this is why they have simple writing prompts to, like, get your mind moving and you just start with something and then, you know, go from there. But as we know from the Jughead voiceovers, Jughead appears to write only about what he has lived and he does it chronologically. So, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Archie 
Archie's going to ask him to write the speech for Pops's retirement party, and Jughead says, okay, that's about it. Archie calls Reggie, and he's like, hey, we got to go over to my house and try to get rid of these gangbangers who are here making drugs. But clearly, Reggie has tipped them off. But it's it's good because it gives Archie the chance to walk through the house, assess how many people are there, and see what they've done with the place. So. And so here's the situation. For them to be like, okay, yeah, well, there's no illegal activity. You can't kick out these tenants. These tenants have trashed the house. They have certainly breached their lease agreement with whoever is managing this house. They have grounds to be evicted. It would cost a lot of money, but they have grounds. I think they probably have grounds to be evicted, but I don't know that they have grounds to be like forcibly removed by law enforcement in the way that probably Archie was trying to ask from Reggie. But once someone is evicted, if they don't leave, then you would call the police if they refuse to leave. But like, I don't know. I guess, does Riverdale have squatters, right? I'm not even sure that squatters rights. It's annoying. Okay. It it also is frustrating that I'm not sure we even know if the ghoulies like actually are paying anything. Like I I presume that they're not actually like tenants. So I had assumed that they weren't. But if they didn't have any legal like bearing on being in the house, then it would be a lot easier to just kick them out. Like I think they must have some kind of agreement to be living there. I'm not sure how formal or what, but like or somebody did. And then the ghoulies forcibly took it from whoever did, but like someone is technically still paying. I don't know. Who knows? I'm sure that the rent is very, or the, yeah, I'm sure the rent is very low anyway at this point. So, 100%. Jughead interviews Pop, and then the debt collectors show up, but Tabitha covers for him. Those debt collectors got to Riverdale fast. Yeah, they did. I love when they call her like Darlin or something and she calls them Pumpkin. I think that was, that was a good moment. I like Tabitha so far. She hasn't done much, but she's, I like that she's standing up to everybody. She's not letting Jughead walk over her. I don't know if it's this point or a different point, but at some point she does go ahead and offer Jughead the job to work there for a little Uh, while. Yeah, I feel like she feels endeared to him after like seeing him with Pop and seeing the debt collectors. Yeah. So he says like, hey, can I work here for a little while? And after a few weeks, can you call the debt collectors? And maybe if you tell them that I'm making money, it'll get them off my back, which I, I guess is fair. I don't know why Jughead was at any point when he was in New York not trying to get a job somewhere, a part-time job. Yeah, but he's a very famous writer and he got a big advance for his next book, so he's a f- he's just simply a full-time writer. Yeah. Veronica tries to buy a car from Reggie and he's like, hey, go talk to your dad because even now, after all this time, he'll definitely help you with it, whatever you need. So that's like, seems like it's gonna be a sweet moment, but mm, whatever. Archie is gonna tell Betty that he, when him and Reggie were going through his house, he saw Polly hanging out with the ghoulies next door. Uh, so that's yeah. not great times. So Betty gets really upset and she's like, well, I definitely want to help get rid of the ghoulies. So Archie gathers up Betty, Fangs, Kevin, Sweet Pea, and I think Sheriff Keller. And they're all wearing like the Kevlar vests and stuff that, that Sheriff Keller had left over from his deputies. And Betty's in her FBI jacket. Betty, this is not FBI business. Uh, yeah, I feel like Betty does not have any authority as an FBI trainee to, to do this, but also Charles didn't have any kind of authority probably with half the stuff he was doing. So whatever. Why do they need blueprints to his house? All of these people have been in his house before. I, whatever. But they take him down. It's five of them versus like a dozen ghoulies. And they just kind of like go in and beat everybody up with like bats and lead pipes and stuff. There's like some pretty aggressive scenes of people getting hit with pipes and bats. And Betty at one point bashes a 
woman in the face with a glass bottle. Like, it's, like, pretty violent. Yeah, I feel like that's, like, the kind of thing that FBI agents probably should not be allowed to do, but whatever. Kevin and Mr. Keller find a Jingle Jangle lab in the bathroom. So glad to have Jingle Jangle back in the show. Literally just Ziploc baggies of pixie sticks. Yes. So, so amazing. And they say that um, Betty's like, oh, this is enough to get them behind bars. I don't know how she's allowed to do this when she's not even a full agent. And also, was Sheriff, like, Sheriff Keller wasn't even there, right? No, he was there. He was there at that point. I don't know if he was involved in the fight, but he found the lab. I guess he can arrest them. Yeah, he can arrest them, but I'm just, what's gonna stop Hiram from just, like, like the, hopefully these people go to a different prison and not Hiram's prison. Well, everyone in Riverdale goes to Hiram's prison, so tough luck on that count. Whatever. Seems like a temporary solution, but Betty calls the roving eye and discovers that Polly hasn't been working there for over a year, but she did work there at some point, so that's something. Then we have another meeting at the school where we find out that two more teachers have defected to Stonewall Prep, Mrs. Crouton and Mr. Cedars. And Damn Kevin is Crouton. Mrs. <laughs> Crouton. And he's like, that backstabbing bitch. <laughs> so funny. Damn it, Miss Crouton. Damn it, Miss Crouton is my favorite line to come out of Riverdale in so long. Damn it, Miss Crouton. Oh my gosh. I the only thing, I think the most recent line we've had that even could attempt to compete with damn it Miss Crouton is Mrs. Andrews I'm obsessed yeah, and this is way better than that <laughs> damn it Miss Crouton is so damn good damn it Miss Crouton you backstabbing bitch is so funny so Tony yeah like you said earlier Tony had one of her girls break into Hiram's office and found his plans for the town hall meeting he wants to ax Riverdale High unincorporate the town Riverdale will cease to exist they debate whether or not they should turn into a private school so they can hire any teacher even teachers without degrees and because they're going to lose public funding either way. They'll lose public funding if they go private, but also lose public funding if they unincorporate the town. So they they need an investor. Well, I know this is early, but Miss Crouton is actually from Archie Comics. Oh my gosh. Wait, this is yes. so great. She was the school's home economics teacher primarily seen in the early 1990s and then on and off in later years. That's amazing. She's real. Damn it, Miss Crouton. <laughs> I'm so glad that that's a thing. I'm so what about Mr. Cedars? How, wait, what, Mr. Who? Cedars? C-E-D-A-R-S? Mm, nothing coming up on the list of Archie comic characters Wikipedia page. Oh my gosh, Miss Crouton is the best name. Miss Crouton is a real! Whew. <laughs> Remember that really sweet moment when Reggie was like, Veronica, go talk to your dad. He'll help you out. Mm -hmm. So Veronica goes and talks to her dad. She says that Chadwick is a little bit threatened by my alphaness. He's possessive and controlling, but I shot out his goon's tires when they were following me. And Hiram goes, ah, young love. <laughs> She's like, I knew you could relate. <laughs> I remember those days of being in a very toxic relationship. Oh, so cute. Gross, Hiram. Gross. It's so good. She's like, yeah, so can you like help me scare Chadwick off a little bit? Like, don't hurt him, but you know, I don't want to get my hands dirty and this would be good for my relationship. And he's like, hey, remember when you called me a dog seven years ago? Also, how is he still alive? Did he survive his disease? I guess so. He beat it by beating people up. Okay, whatever. He's like, yeah, if you want to handle this problem, you're gonna have to get in the mud and do it yourself. Okay, so whatever. Uh, I just, I love that Hiram clearly like schemed with Reggie to be like, when Veronica comes to you, tell her to come to me and I'll help her. And then I won't help her. We don't know how or why Hiram and Veronica's relationship divulged over the last several years because I'm sure it was at the point when he said that he was going to retire and then didn't that she got frustrated with him or something. 
something. I mean, they left it in a bad spot. Yeah, but they left it in a spot where it was like, hey, I'm taking all the shares of the business. And then at some point over the last seven years, Veronica gave the business back to him. Or we just didn't see, but he never actually gave the business to her and Hermosa. I don't know. Because that was like the plan. I really think that Hermione deciding to divorce him and become a real housewife was probably the nail in the coffin of him like deciding not to do that. But we unclear. We're not sure. I mean, like Veronica's always had a bad relationship with her father, but even when her father was trying to like murder Archie, she was still like living with him or doing things with like I'm just surprised that at some point we got to a point where he's not going to her wedding. Like she's not inviting him. Just don't know how we got there. She didn't even tell him she was marrying Chadwick. Yeah. The audacity. Also, the name Chadwick is stupid, and I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. So Betty's going to confront Polly about not working at the Roving Eye, and she's like, you don't get to come in here and judge me after one day. You don't know anything about my life, blah, blah, blah. She storms off. Jughead's in some kind of room writing the speech. I don't know if this was a different angle of the bang bunker, but there was like a door in the background. I don't know where he was. It kind of looked like he was in like the blue and gold office. I'm not sure. He Whatever. Um, but he he sends he sends the speech to Sam, and he's like, give it to to Sam, his agent, and he says, give it to Scribner's. Maybe this will convince them that I'm not just a one-hit wonder and that they'll see that I'm actually writing something, even if it's not a book. Mm-hmm. Betty. Okay, so let's talk about this. Okay, so Betty is helping Archie clean up the house. And it's, like, honestly, I feel like it was very awkward energy, but whatever. It was awkward energy when they were both cleaning the house, for sure. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I need to shower. Oh, I need to shower. Oh, do you want to go home first? And then suddenly they're having sex in the shower. And I'm like, fine, get your get your freak on. I don't care. Sex in the shower is stupid. And it's just, like, a lot of extra work for not worth it. And so I that was my only issue with this scene. I appreciate the fact that you're then in a shower and you can shower off. I, I hope yeah. they took the jingle jangle lab out of the bathroom first. I Maybe they took some jingle jangle first to just get real freaky. As a very open bughead lover, I think people on Twitter were expecting me to be like very upset about this. But I was anything but upset. I thought this was actually very, very realistic. Now, let me explain why. I think that when like the reason why I think this was totally chill and no big deal, but when Betty and Archie kiss back in the end of season four was like, oh my gosh, was because when you're in high school and you're in a relationship, everything, every little tiny thing like means way more than anything else. A kiss in high school is like a handshake in college. In high school, they were both in relationships with other people. So there was infidelity involved. In this situation, Betty says they're both single, which I I don't know what's going on with Glenn. Glenn is just just some guy who likes her. And honestly, you know what? Betty manipulating a man who's interested in her to take care of her house and cat. I respect it. Good job, Betty. But like, I sure, have fun. They're both single. If they want to have unfulfilling sex in a shower, that's fine. I think they should relocate to somewhere that is more conducive to sex. Okay, yeah, but that's not that, okay, I, it's not the shower part that I'm getting upset with here. For me, it's, or not, or whatever, that I'm not upset with. For me, the thing that makes sense about this is like, when you're older, when you're in college or post-college or whatever, when you meet up with people from high school again, it's it's like way easier to, to say something 
like, oh, haha, we used to stand by my door and or my window and hope that you were shirtless. That's a really intense thing to say when you're in high school and you have to be around each other all the time. And there's a lot more drama and everybody's friends and everybody knows each other. But when you get older, it's like it's way easier to have a conversation with someone that you knew when you were younger. Just be like, oh, yeah, I had a crush on you all through high school. And they'd be like, what? No way. All right, let's go make out. Like, it's just not as big of a deal. And it and I think that it becomes way more casual and just sort of like it is what it is. Like there doesn't need to be all this drama around it. So I feel like this moment was actually extremely, extremely like low stakes, non-emotional. They both they both kind of talk afterward. Like, I don't think that this is an indication that Barchi is going to happen because it <laughs> seemed like they were both kind of just like, hey, we were both horny and we, we had sex in the shower or whatever. They're unlike the kiss from years ago. It, I don't feel like either one of them was like, oh, now I have feelings. It was more yeah, just I- like, oh, this was just something we wanted to try years ago. And hey, look, we finally did it. Exactly. It's like we wanted this a long time ago and now we did it and we can cross it off the list. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them like continue to hook up, but I don't sure. think we're going to see them in like a, a relationship. It's more of a situationship. Right. At, at least not now. I think that there could be something else that brings them closer. But like even with Betty and Jughead, the reason they started dating was because they both were going through hard things in their home lives and they were able to like rely on each other and lean on each other when they couldn't with their other friends. And so it started off as an emotional thing and then developed into a physical relationship after that. So I think that that's that's more the reason why they got together. Anyway, okay, we have a retirement party. They give Pop a varsity jacket, which at first I thought was super cheesy, but then hearing that he like never graduated and then it was like because he had to go to work, I feel like that was kind of that was kind of sweet at that point. It was sweet, but I also just like they never really gave us enough of Pop for me to feel an emotional attachment to him. Fair. Jughead gives a speech, which kind of doesn't seem like a speech. I almost wonder if whatever he wrote to Sam was like longer than what he said oh, here. Oh, it had to have been. Yeah, I think that Whatever he, he said here was just like, Pop was a good listener and he's the reason we made it through. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Tony and Cheryl are going to chat at Pops. Tony asked Cheryl for funding and Cheryl was like, uh, I can barely afford the Thornhill renovations. I feel like everything in my life starts out good, but then ends up corrupt. And Tony's like, please do it for me if you won't do it for the town. And Cheryl's like, well, who are the new teachers going to be? So, okay. This is by far the most annoying part of the episode. So the way that we're going to get all of these characters to stay in Riverdale is to ask them to be teachers. Now, for Jughead, this makes complete sense. Jughead has nowhere to be. Like, he doesn't need to be in New York to write his book. He could easily be an English teacher. You know, he probably has enough skills to do that. He is literally already working in Riverdale as a waiter and appears to be planning on staying here for a little while longer. At the end of the episode, we're going to see him move in with Archie to his house. So I think, like, for Jughead, there's no reason why he would say no. Like, this this makes sense for He's going to get money. Like, he, yeah. I like how he's like, oh, let me make it work with my other job. Being a teacher should surely pays more than working at Pops, right? Yeah, but I think after what he just went through asking Tabitha for the job and like getting denied and then getting accepted, like I think he needs to keep that job. That's Plus true. we need we need to know more about Tabitha. Ooh, maybe Tabitha and Jughead will have a thing. That would be Oh, I think I think that they're definitely highlighting that, especially with like her not liking him at first and now yeah. he's gonna work there and have the chance to charm her. It's such a cliche. Like there's no way they don't at least have it's a kiss. It's a cliche, but I actually kinda like it because we're finding Finally getting to a point where the show has been able to get out of its rut of having these two couples that need to be together. It's very nice to see them experiment with different different groupings. So that's fun. Betty is the one who first says that she's in because she wants to 
stay in Riverdale to be there for her mom and Polly and the twins. And uh, while she's still in training, I think the undercurrent here is she's like, oh, Quantico can wait. And I think the undercurrent is she's not allowed to finish her training right now until she gets past her trauma with the TBK. So it doesn't make sense to me that she as a trainee was like going after a serial killer. And he was like, I want to know more about that story. Well, I think clearly she was not supposed to be in charge of that mission. And she was supposed to be just one of the people going after it. But they, they, yeah, they make it seem like she was alone. Where was her partner? Like what was going on? Like, she it just doesn't make them. sense. Yeah. She wanted to take it down herself. Veronica is the one who at first says like, I have to go back to my life. But then she ends up agreeing when everyone else agrees. So Veronica is the one who I think this is like the least realistic move for her. Although I guess if she can't work at that jewelry place and she just wants to get away from her husband. Veronica then, okay. is over promising in this whole episode. Like what's she going to do about this sports agent job in LA? Not take it, I guess. I don't know. So then we have the school board meeting and they announce, Tony is announcing that with the money from Cheryl, they're going to stay open as a private school, but it's going to be tuition free. Also completely forgot that Veronica's last name is now Gecko. So I don't know how we feel I about that. I don't like it. I don't like it either. Township of Riverdale is dissolved and yeah. the town is now unincorporated. Seems like a relatively close vote, maybe like 60-40. Didn't look particularly overwhelming in Hiram's favor. It's just, I guess, whoever he paid off. We have another Jughead voiceover here at the end yeah. that says, what had taken decades to build was toppled in the blink of an eye. With the rap of a gavel, Riverdale was no more, and yet life continues. So his agent's gonna call him and say, hey, you know that speech you wrote for Pop? It was amazing. So we're gonna need you to write a book about the current state of Riverdale. Jughead doesn't want to do it, but Sam says he doesn't really have a choice. So I think is the reason Jughead doesn't want to do this because he's already under fire from the serpents for writing a book about them in the first place and he doesn't want to write another book about them? I think that Jughead feels inadequate that he can't seem to be inspired to write about anything except for the town of Riverdale. Yeah, imagine being an author and only being able to write about one thing. I mean, I so. think there's lots of authors who can only write about one thing, but they at least are able to find different uh, avenues through that one thing to make each book a little different. I think the thing is that Jughead is writing quote-unquote novels that are just ba- they're, they're they're like autobiographies actually. That's not good. I want to know how Jughead got involved with these loan sharks. I don't know if we're ever going to find out. Alice blames Betty for Polly storming off, which I think is a bit messed up. Like, Polly is an adult. She's, like, inching on 30 years old-ish. And there's no reason why she should get upset because Betty is like, hey, I called your work and you don't actually work there. Do we think that Alice knew that Polly wasn't actually working there? I mean, Alice has never been stupid in the entire show. Like, she's had her moments, but she's never been dumb. Like, I think she obviously figured out that's something had changed. Yeah. But I do think that she in general is like, I mean, I think it's weird that Alice would be like, hey, Betty, I'm going to hold some resentment to you for like moving away from Riverdale when really Alice and Polly and the twins should not be in Riverdale. There's no reason for them to be in Riverdale. They should move away and go somewhere else. They're literally still living in the house that probably has so much trauma for Alice given her first husband was a serial killer and then her second boyfriend has left the town and left her and is very sad. So I don't know why they're still here. I don't know. I think that all these people need is better communication. Okay. Veronica's going to call Chadwick and be like, hey, I'm going to be here for a while longer, like approximately two to three months, because that's how long Archie said we temporarily need teachers for. And you have 30 minutes to reactivate my cards. Otherwise, things are going to get bad. And I'm going to come back to Wall Street and go to work there. And I'm going to destroy you or something. Uh, She says this she-wolf will tear out your throat in front of all of the other 
like alpha males. I don't really Stop understand how Wall she Street wolf. works. Stop it with the she wolf, Veronica. Yeah, I don't like it. We've had enough. Not a fan. It was never cute, and it's only getting less cute. Archie texts Betty, and he's like, "Hey, where's Polly?" And she's like, "I don't know. I'm gonna try to call her." Jughead shows up and moves in with Archie, which is whatever. Betty calls Polly and apologizes. And while we hear this, we see Polly running in front of that danger truck from last episode. Yeah. What so is going it, on? So I think like what we're meant to get from this episode is obviously Polly is working for the. Why did I forget what the other gang is called? Okay. The Ghoulies. The Ghoulies. So Polly's obviously working with the ghoulies she's possibly selling drugs she's possibly a sex worker we don't really know but obviously she is in a vulnerable position in the work that she is doing and obviously there's some sort of murderer that is going after the quote-unquote like lost people like this is a very classic serial killer move to be like oh i'll kill sex workers because no one will care that they're gone they don't realize that polly has a family that will notice that she's missing it's so do we think that Squeaky was a real person last episode? So th- I think that's what we're led to believe. And we did get a really great comment reminding us of Squeaky, who is also named Lynette from the Charles Manson cult. Yeah, so this was from Evil Roy on Twitter, who said, I was a little surprised at no mention of Squeaky from, from the Manson family cult member whose real name was Lynette, which actually was a thought that had popped in my mind when I, because because I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like 8,000 times at this point, I when I heard Squeaky, I immediately thought, oh, like Squeaky from, but I never, or from, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I didn't mention it because I was just so in my mind thinking that this was a fake character that Jughead was writing a book about, so. People know I love the true crime stuff, but and I did like a deep dive into the Manson family cult like a couple years ago, but it's not something that I find particularly interesting, to be honest. So like, I'm not an expert by any means. Like, I, I, I haven't thought about the Manson family in probably two and a half years. And I, so then it, it just did not occur to me. Maybe what we're going to get to is that we're going to find that this new mystery and new murder series is going to be someone, maybe the trash bag killer, maybe somebody else, who is either killing, like, do you think Polly's going to die? Because I feel like maybe she'll just be like locked up somewhere. I mean, I mean, if it's the trash bag killer, we know that he tends to lock people up in captivity. It could, it could really go either way because this show has not done a good job of making us care about Polly. So I feel like it's not that big of a deal if Polly just goes away forever. It's not a big deal, except for the fact that I would just feel bad, so bad for her kids. But yeah, but like we, they, it's not like they actually show us the twins for us to care about them either. Yeah, fair. So I'm not really sure on that, but we have a couple other thoughts and questions from some other listeners here. Nick Snow, who changed their name on Twitter to Nick Dammit Miss Crouton. <laughs> crack me up, says, Kirsten is truly doing the Lord's work, bringing bringing up both Mary from, now what is this? R-H-O-S-L-C? Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh, thank you. Okay. The one who's married to their step-grandfather. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right, right. And the BTK, Close But No Cigar. So thank you for doing both of those things last episode. That was amazing. You know that meme with like the trigonometry over the woman's face? Like that's what happened when I realized that TBK and BTK are Close But No Cigar. Also, I did not catch this. But apparently, I I completely missed this just in my head. Apparently, Veronica and Chadwick's accident happened at Marsha's Vineyard, is what they said, which is a great close window cigar. I'm on board. Nick also says, I could not be more over anything and everything to do with Hiram. I'm going to need the TPK to pay him a friendly visit ASAP. 
Agreed. Yeah, I mean, just can't Mark Consuelos just go home to his family? Like, I don't understand. Tom Palmer says kudos to Riverdale for somehow showing our education system as even more broken than it actually is. It's very sad. It's very sad in Riverdale, but at least they have the debate team. And a drama department. Yep. And at least they're getting proper sex ed. (laughs) Very fair. Tomas says, pretty sure Chadwick lost everything shortening the GameStop stock. That that checks out. They say, I have a theory that Jughead is the trash bag killer. He hit a writer's block and decided to write a crime novel, but after months of thinking of murders, he didn't come up with anything, so he went into the real world to kill for inspiration, which is literally what the Stonies had to do. They had to commit a murder in order to write about a murder. That That's so funny. I- I pray to all that is holy that that is not the case. Part of this theory from Tomas says, he's caught now and what we're seeing is him telling a story from prison as an unreliable narrator where he blames someone else for setting him up, but he was always him all along, aka the plot of a letter from death row. That's way too big brain and interesting for Riverdale, but I like it. I mean, it's already been done, so it could absolutely be Riverdale to just rip something off. Tall says, question for the podcast, does Hiram's storyline prove that capitalism is bad? and Riverdale needs socialism. I think it proves to us that Hiram is bad. Riverdale is a failed state. I mean, Hiram is a direct consequence of capitalism. Hiram is the worst. Really not a fan. Patrick really wanted our live in-the-moment reactions to the Betty and Archie sex scene. I gotta say, I knew that it was gonna be Betty based on the one shot we had before of Veronica and Archie having shower sex in the same bathroom. I had a feeling it was going to be in Archie's house, but for whatever reason, I still thought it was gonna be Betty and someone else. I wasn't sure who was gonna be, but I was pretty sure it was gonna be Betty and someone else. But the Archie, I wasn't mad about it. These people are adults. They're allowed to have sex with whomever they want. Yeah, it was fine. Thank you. Next says, can we all admit that Lily and KJ have more chemistry than Lily and Cole? I believe that probably at this point, potentially, because I can imagine that Lily and Cole would be a little bit awkward. I think at their peak, though, Lily and Cole, I don't know about chemistry. Isn't That's not the word I would use, but I felt like they had more, maybe it is chemistry, like emotional con, like uh, emotional. It felt like a real together. relationship because they were dating in real life. Like, it, Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say that they were like super hot and steamy together, but they, they had a lot more like moments that made me think they were dating than I ever did about Veronica and Archie. Yeah, I think it was, it wasn't really about um Lily and Cole Sprouse. It was more so about KJ and Camilla not having. Right, fair. That being said, the way that they shot this scene, which was just a lot of little like smash cuts of their close-up faces groping at each other. It I mean, I, I didn't feel like it was uh it's it's kind of hard to concentrate on and you're like, well, they're they're having sex. It's like, yep, this this happened. Cool. Cool. Zeb says, was it the lifelong buildup of Betty and Archie taking over? Genuine question at this point. I don't remember when Bughead was a properly a thing beyond crime-solving partners. I think the last time I remember a really meaningful Bughead moment beyond the breakup was that time when they were singing 17 to each other, which is a long time ago. I don't remember that, so I'll have to rely on you. Zev also hates the idea that just anyone can waltz in and be a teacher at Riverdale. Welcome. What do you think that Veronica is going to teach? Like economics or something? Business. What's Betty going to teach? Because if Betty comes in and teaches like crime solving or forensics or something, where's the math teacher? Where's the geography teacher? Betty is going to take over phys ed from Kevin and have them doing like obstacle courses. But I guess Archie would be more qualified for that than Betty. Or she's going to teach like journalism or something that's like really close to writing it just doesn't really make any sense okay i would i mean they're just all gonna get a subject betty was apparently top of the class so she could teach anything
something. Okay, the title of this episode, The Homecoming, there was a play and then a movie in 1973 called The Homecoming, which was set in dreary North London, which was the site of perpetual psychological warfare. A philosophy professor visits his family after nine-year absence and introduces the four men to his wife, which, I don't know, it's been a long time since these people have come home. Yeah. That's the connection I've made there. And it's a town of perpetual psychological warfare. That is true. Yeah. No close but no cigars from this episode. Potentially Marsha's vineyard from last. We'll have to look that up. Mm -hmm. Really, the only new character we had was Tabitha Tate, which we talked about in the preview show. So excited to see more Tabitha. And Miss Crouton. Star of the episode. Damn it, Miss Crouton, you backstabbing bitch. Who was the most normal person for the week? Okay. I would like to propose that Alice was the most normal person of the week. She's just trying to keep her family together. She's doing her job. She's not breaking into anybody's house. She's not beating up gang members. She's just living her life. I don't like this version of Alice. I know. I want Alice the serpent back. Alice. uh, Okay. Can I propose Tabitha Tate as the most normal? She's like, hey, you need to pay for your food. I mean. It's my diner. You can't start a tab. That's like fine. But I feel like we're going to need Tabitha Tate for most normal person a lot this season. I just, the thing about Alice that bugs me, and I know that you've spoken about it, but like, I just don't know why she's chill with her daughter working for a gang. I mean, she used to be in a gang. Yeah, but a different gang. This is like the enemy gang. She also might not know that Polly is working for the ghoulies. She might just think like, okay, well, Polly's doing something that I don't need to know about. She might not know the specifics. And she needs the money. And Polly's helping pay the mortgage. Fine. <laughs> hey, we it's gotta not- get to Tabitha soon, probably. Oh, we're. Go- I think we're gonna be needing to use Tabitha quite a lot. So we got a review. Yay! And this is a great time to say, if anyone else wants to give us reviews, hit us up with those five star reviews on iTunes. It's we have lots of ratings. A lot of people have gone in and and given us a five star rating, but but smack a smack a little review on there as well. It's fun. They don't have to be long. You don't have to be a jughead writing a novel. I mean, you could though. But little do you know that you do need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but little did they know. So this review is from Russell Lind, who says, Love it. Mary and Kirsten are hilarious. I would honestly listen to them talk about anything. Great podcast. Thank you, Russell. Thanks, Russell. So this is this is a, this was the episode, everyone. A little bit of a longer podcast. I know this wasn't super organized. We'll try to break them into categories in the future so we don't just have to hit them beat by beat. Overall, this episode was... I'm glad that we got rid of that ghoulie situation real quick. I mean, I'm sure they're going to come back at some point, but I'm glad that we kind of got him out of the house at least we have you know i feel like this is going to be a season where like each episode we get little victories like okay this episode we had the victory of getting archie's house back in another episode we're gonna have a victory of getting a fire department or something like i think we're gonna slowly rebuild the town i think it's gonna be like one step forward two steps back probably but i I think the main question is are they going to be able to slowly rebuild the town and then eventually like instate their own mayor or something because if is hiram still in control of Riverdale, even if Riverdale is not a town, because he shouldn't be. I mean, he even said today, like, hopefully this will be my last thing as mayor of this town. So I could understand if they, like, he unincorporates the town, he's going to now be in control of Sodale, and then someone else should eventually become in control of Riverdale. But nobody will come in control of Riverdale because it's just nothing now. Riverdale's just land. Well, I'm sure that there's a way to reincorporate a town. Who knows? They're going to need some infrastructure. What if? Okay, this might be a huge drive. 
stretch. What if Chadwick becomes slightly better and comes and is like gonna fight against Hiram? I mean, we gotta get Chadwick to Riverdale at some point, I assume. Ugh, can't he just die? He's not gonna just zoom in. I don't think that, that that's happening for the whole season. Oh, I don't like him. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That was the episode. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week for episode six. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. And if you're interested, you can check out some of the other podcasts we do here on Kowski Cast. That's cow with a K. You can check that out on KowskiCast.com or follow Kowski Cast on Twitter, cow with a K. Hell yeah. Kirsten, you can follow on everywhere at Kirsten Said What. You can check out Bojack Horse Pod for some Bojack Horseman rewatching. Hell yeah. And you can also check out her on RHAP where she's currently covering Temptation Island. That's right. Had a hilarious first episode. It was a very fun first recap with Rob and Maggie and I highly recommend people check that out. Also, Temptation Island, a treat. Just watch it. It's a treat. It's, it's what we need right now. You you have that back-to-back Riverdale and Temptation Island just absurdity and both good shows to pour a glass of wine or whatever beverage of your choice and just sit back and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Talk to you next time. Bye. Damn it, Miss Crouton. <laughs>